We want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. Thanks for listening as Pastor Stephen Hibden shares an encouraging word of God's love. His ministry lasted only how many years? Three years. You're helping me with my poem. Thank you. He only had 12 people in his church, right? His big opening, and one of them was a loser, right, Judas? His big opening, that was not part of the poem. This, let me move on. His big opening was in a nowhere town called Bethlehem as a baby. He grew up in an insignificant place called Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth, they say. He wasn't a doctor, yet cured thousands. He wasn't a politician, yet still overthrows governments today. He wasn't a general, yet wins battles every day. He's feared by demons, adored by angels. He was a carpenter who never really had a home. He was disliked by the most important people, and he was adored and loved by the poor. Never traveled further than a few hundred miles. Not a really a world-changing equation, if you ask me. Yet the calendar was still split in half by him. He never wrote a book, yet his life has inspired more books, right? Than any other man. He never wrote a song, yet the theme for more songs than all the songwriters can write combined. He never founded a college, but all the schools put together cannot boast of having more students. He never marshaled an army, yet no leader ever had more rebels surrender without a shot fired. Herod could not kill him. Satan could not trick him. His enemies could not destroy him. The grave could not hold him. He is the savior, the healer, Waymaker, which was perfect today. Thank you for that song. Miracle worker, perfect. I think I got that from the song. I didn't realize it, but I did. And everlasting. He is the great I am, and he is the Lord. He holds the name above all names. His name is Jesus. I want to read you a scripture, and you're not going to probably be blessed by it. You might be like, huh? What is this? Paul wrote this. Because Paul understood the mystery of Jesus. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. And he says this about Jesus. If you say amen, then it just shows how smart you are. Okay, so if you want to say amen during this. To me, no, I mean while I'm reading it. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the age has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, say amen, might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purposes, purpose which he accomplished in Christ. Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. I just want to fall over. My mind exploded because it's hard to understand. It's hard to comprehend everything that is Christ. 
We're going to try to over the next while. My point is profoundly this. If you think you know Jesus Christ, you don't know Christ. The more you know, the more you love, the more you want to know, the more you want to love, the more you're transformed, then the more you want to be transformed and the more you want to love more and the more you want to know more. And it goes on and on. But when we stop at, oh, Jesus is great, that is great. And then that's it. Then we haven't really met Christ. I'll put myself in the same boat. Let me throw one more scripture out there of Paul's. Paul is one of the smartest guys in the Bible. He was wise beyond his years, and he was smarter than most people. He was a teacher. He was a theologian, and he wrote this as well. He says, we look at this son, Jesus, Colossians 1, 15 through 18, and I decided to go to the message because I'm trying to understand. <laughs> Just like, please help me. And I know the message is a paraphrase, but sometimes it helps us. But this, you'll see, barely even helps you. We look at this his son, and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose and everything created. For everything. Everybody say everything. Absolutely everything. Above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment, 2020, January. Oh, thank you. It's February. Yes, February 14th or something like that. I know that it, we just had some holiday. And it, hold, and it holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it all together like a head does a body. That's why you're here. That's why you get along, even though you don't know each other very well or you have so many things not in common. You get along because Jesus holds it all together. And I'm going to ask you to think with me, okay? I'm going to ask you not to sleep. I'm going to ask you to think. I know you came today uh, expecting something, and um, yes, you might be right, but you're human, and we don't always know what God wants for us. And so would you just let down your preconceived ideas of what you want from Jesus, and you just ask him to speak to you today, amen, my brothers and sisters, because the name of Jesus, as we talked about last week, I just couldn't go any further. It's too big to handle, but when you know him, it's amazing what he does. I will, um, um, in the com I got a lot to say, so I'm just I expect the Holy Spirit to reveal to you another level of a relationship with him. And I'm excited about the coming weeks. I feel strongly, I'm reading this, that the fastest way to a new year, new me, is by following Jared. No, by following Jesus. Although Jared hopefully follows Jesus and he's good at doing that. But there's obviously not a more compelling story in the Bible than the name of Jesus. There is not a story that will make you more obedient, that will better your behavior more than looking at the anointed one. That's what Christ means, the Christ. Jesus, incredibly shrewd, extravagantly generous, sometimes scandalous and disruptive, often fierce, and always more loving than we can handle.
as my sister brought up earlier. Let's look at all his facets, not just sweet Jesus, but meek Jesus, savage Jesus, revolutionary Jesus, and radically kind Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to call this message today a bridge bigger than the golden gate. And Lord, we thank you for your love for us is vast and wide and deep and long and all-encompassing. And as you already interrupted our service earlier with our sister's little word, I said, do you, have, do you have something on your heart? I could see it on her heart that she talked about his love. That's what we're talking about today. Lord, let us get a revelation of your love that would change us, not just physically and socially and what we think needs to be changed, but everything in us would be changed in Jesus' name. My brother is, used to be in a heavy metal band. And um, I remember to support him, I found myself on the strip in West Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard many nights in legendary bars like, maybe you've never heard of these, but like the Roxy and the Whiskey-A-Go-Go and all these places that these hair metal bands played in. Motley Crue was there and Def Leppard and different ones. And I show up in this place, out of place, I felt. These nightclub concerts on Saturdays at 11 o'clock were a different world for me, let me just put it that way. As I was trying to make my way through Bible college in Los Angeles and working at Subway, I would watch the clientele come into the bars at midnight to watch these bands and I liked the music, and my brother's band, actually, was, he was a Christian heavy metal band, and so he was trying to be a light in the darkness, and he was. It was awesome. But I remember how completely different I was from them. And at times, without realizing it, I remember thinking how much better I was than all of them in the room. Judging clothes, judging lifestyles I didn't even realize, habits they obviously had and sins that I was sure that they were doing. Now, of course, we must be careful to be in the world, right? But not of the world. But I think we would be appalled. We would be floored at some of the places and some of the just ways Jesus hung out with certain kinds of people. There's, a, there's a, a lot of stories in the Bible. And the best way to look at Jesus is to look at him right in his natural habitat in America. No, in the Bible, right? Matthew chapter 9. I want to read one verse from there. Matthew chapter 9 verse 10 says this. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors... And sinners came and sat with him and his disciples. Remove all of your familiarity of this. Oh, yeah, I know this story. Yeah, he's, he loves sinners. He loves tax collectors. Let's go. Amen. God bless. Have a great day. What was going on here? Most of us have heard about tax collectors. Some of the worst people. They were usually Jews who became traitors of their own country for the Romans to steal money from people. They would go to their fathers and to their brothers and they'd say, I don't know you anymore and I want all of your money. 
they would go and allow their mothers to be killed so that they could take everything that the family owned. That was what they did. Tax collectors were bad people. They were hated, 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 hated by Americans. No, they were hated by the Jews. All of the Jews hated them because they were their own and they became traitors to them. And they were feared for that matter because they had all of the authority of the government behind them. Not cool. But what about the others? It said that there were tax collectors and sinners there. So you thought the tax collectors were bad enough? He decides to call them tax collectors and the sinners. Who were the sinners? The sinners that hung out with people that hung out with tax collectors were worse than the tax collectors themselves. I won't belabor this, but who knows what they were wearing? Prostitutes selling themselves to these guys. Who knows the sins that some of the men that were with them did. It, was, it would be too embarrassing to even explain how heinous these people were. Yet, Jesus hung out with them. This is not a big town. None of these towns were big. People knew these people. They knew who Jesus was and they knew who he was with. He's with so-and-so, so-and-so, and so. They knew exactly who was with Jesus. And the first point I want to give is this, all right? Write it down in your head. Or if you have a piece of paper and a pen or a Bible or a phone, you could turn on your phone. There's a note section in your phone, and you can take a pen out. But don't write on your phone because it'll not be good on your phone. But you can type on your phone. And this is what I want you to type, or at least remember this. Building a bridge to God's love sees people as God's people. Not just as what they want, but they see people as God's people because God created them. And it says that they that not only happened that Jesus was there with these people, but he instigated the party. He said, let's get these folks together. Let's do this. We're coming to your house today. And they come over and Jesus was the instigator of this rave at this guy's house. Now, it wasn't a rave, but there was not a worse place in their culture for Jesus to hang out with sinners besides the church. Like, come to my church and hang out. Let's hang out as sinners. There's not a worse place than come and let's eat together. In those days, I mean, we can eat together and we don't have to even like each other. We can eat and we can move on and it's not a spiritual experience at all sometimes unless you go to Lucille's in California, the barbecue place. That's a spiritual experience, no matter who you're with. But so we meet with people and we eat. But in those days, in Jewish people, and she could teach a sermon on this, I'm sure, right? She's like this over here. Let me, let me, let, just let me have the microphone. In those days, you don't eat with people that aren't your people. If they are unclean, you become unclean. And Jesus was sitting with unclean people. And not only was he sitting, eating with them, he was enjoying their company. If you ate with a, a sinner, you were saying, if you ate with someone, you said, I celebrate you. I embrace you. I love everything about you. I am a promoter of you to everyone. You're standing up for them. And Jesus, they're sinners. Jesus is having fun. Jesus is laughing perhaps with the sinners and it could have, it, the people that were probably literally cursing God his father that very day he's hanging out with and he's not acting holier than thou with an English accent 
as you've known Jesus to be. Behold, you people, I will sit with you and eat with you. No, he was not like that. He was, he was, he was enjoying them, and they were enjoying his time. When you come face to face with the raw Jesus, the real Jesus, the uncut Jesus, and I'm trying to, I have to talk fast. Please listen, stay with me. It should challenge you. When you come close face to face with who Jesus really is, not the familiar Jesus that you're supposed to remember from Sunday school, or maybe some of you never had Sunday school, but when you come, re- when you read every word in, the, in these gospels, you start to feel a little uneasy because Jesus is doing things that it quest- I question if this is right, that he does this. It certainly does me. It makes me question. I think what I want to get across today more than anything is that when we think, I don't know if it's more than anything, but when we think we know how to be Jesus to the world, when we think we know how to connect others to Jesus, we probably should reevaluate our methods. We think, oh yeah, I got the, I got the inside scoop. This is how you show Jesus to the world, right? We need to reevaluate because we need to ask ourselves, are we doing everything we can to build a bridge of love to Jesus? If I'm honest, I assume so many people won't make it to heaven. That's what I think. And maybe I'm right. Because I know there's scriptures, there's scary verses, right, that talk about, oh, I didn't ever know you. You did this and you did this, but I didn't know you. You went to church, I didn't know you. You, you cast out demons, money, I didn't know you. Jesus says that in the Bible, and I'm like, what? So a lot of people are not going to make it to, to heaven? Um, but if I'm honest, I assume that, but I, I, I divide groups. I, uh, I'll use the word that you've been hearing a lot lately, and she used it, and I wrote it in my notes, and it's the first time I've ever wrote the word, polarize. I polarize an already painfully divided world with my small perspective. I have a small perspective. I like to think I know the wisdom of God, but I have a small perspective. And let me tell you, Jesus does not have a small perspective. That's not to say that he isn't holy and righteous and just and godly and, and holy. I'll say it again. It's not to say that. But Jesus' perspective was not small. He was never short on grace. He was never short on love. And I mean, I'll even go into much, I mean, forget the nightclub. I will go into a Starbucks and I will look across the room and see, oh, this person, this person's this way. This, I'm already sizing up the room of, I, don't, I mean, I don't do this. I don't make a practice. They're going to heaven. They're not. They're going to heaven. They're not. No, I don't do that. But I'm actually right at the Starbucks I go to. It was right by a church, the big discovery church who is doing awesome work. And half the room is people counseling other people that, from the church. So I think, yeah, they're Christian. They're fine. They're fine. But I, even me, I'm starting to look around the room, and I start to judge people. I think things about people. And I have to ask the question looking at the places Jesus went. Was Jesus going too far. Well, if I said that, then I'm, you can just kick me out of the church because I'm not good for this church if that's what I believe is true. No, Jesus was not going too far. Amen. I was waiting for someone to say amen before I go on. I suppose you saw me sitting in a parking lot 
Uh, okay, I drive by this place, by the Starbucks. It's a ways away from the Starbucks. It's a, um, in Missouri, we called them strip joints. And I realized when I wrote it down, is it called a strip joint? Is it called like a bar for naked people? You know, I don't know. I, we, my parents, that's a strip joint. We're praying against that place, right? We're going to pick it there. And um, Illinois border and Missouri border, they let them have them all over the place over there. And that was wrong. And that's true. It is wrong. But suppose you saw me sitting in the parking lot of this place uh, down. I won't tell you exactly where it's at because no one needs to know. You don't need to go there. But say I was sitting out on my car on the back seat of, on the back of my truck, if I had a truck. And I'm um, 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 I'm trying to imagine this, and I'm like, oh. and I'm laughing. I'm laughing with some guys that just look like guys that might be there, and maybe we're playing frisbee, right? I mean, we could be. And you're like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, good catch! All right, give me a yeah. You'd be like, what is he doing? What is he doing? Is he what, is he going in there? Is he like, what's he doing? I know the Rock Church in San Diego, they have a whole ministry of people that go into the strip joint, which is like into the strip club or whatever you call it. And they, and they get the ladies out and they get them saved. I don't know if it's ladies that go in or whatever, but we're not starting that ministry too soon here. But if, <laughs> if you want to start that, you can also be a, but you need to also be a part of our, no, okay, okay. Uh, the church people certainly judge, peop- judge Jesus. Verse 11, it says, the church people did this, okay? Not the others, and maybe the others did too. But the Pharisees, they were the church people. Verse 11, and when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat? That's how they said it, like they were going to throw up. <laughs> no, why does your teacher eat with them? Is he crazy? Is he out of his mind? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? That's not, that's not right. I think we see that Jesus, build bridges, Jesus builds bridges bigger than the... I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think as we see that Jesus built bridges bigger than the Golden Gate, we see one of his most glaring attributes. It is a glaring attribute. Glaring means to shine, but it also sounds kind of negative. But we see one of these attributes of Jesus... Jesus was all about reconciliation, a big word, a big, big Bible word. He was about reconciliation that just simply means this. He was all about mending people, fixing people, repairing, restoring, rewarding, creating unions, establishing boundaries. No, he's establishing common ground with people. Jesus is always harmonizing and removing hostility and racism and divides. We can look at a lot of stories, and we're going to look at them, and he did it. All these stories have something he did. It's all about Jesus. It's the same story over and over. Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, right? Went away. His His dad welcomed him home. Jesus was always about welcoming home people. Building a bridge, here's the second one. You forget that we're doing these, but here. Here's the second point. Building a bridge to the love of Jesus is not a demolition business. If you want to get into the business of building bridges, you want to be a good Jesus person, a Christian, a follower of Christ, you're not a demolition person. You're not in a demolition business. You're in the restoration business. You're fixing the bridges. Jesus saw the human first. 
He could see them as who they were created to be. Cynthia's in the ministry of children today, and so she's going to have to keep them just a little bit longer. Not that we're even close to our, I got 10 minutes left, but if I go over, she told me I could go over a little bit if I need to, because this is very important. This is the part of our foundation as we start this journey towards Jesus. Jesus saw humans first. He saw who they were created to be. In a time so polarized and divided, it's good to be reminded who Jesus is. He's the great reconciler. And he's asked us to do the same. When we look at people, we see them how Jesus sees them. We often seem to act as if Jesus called us. You know, he called me. I have the ministry of hate. I have the ministry of criticism. I am called to look down on certain people. That's my job because if I look down on them, They'll find Jesus. They'll find him. I know they will because I will look down on them enough to make them realize how bad they are, right? But instead, we are called to be part of the bridge, not the chasm. Now, in those days, there was a giant chasm between God and man. And the chasm came, the big hole, the big gap came because of a group of people that thought they were helping. They were called the the church, right? They were called the church. And that's why Jesus came up and he didn't like what was going on in the church. He didn't let his ministry wait, percolate, percolate, percolate. And then when he turned 30 to 33, he went across the 100 miles or so that he walked and he showed the church that they were messed up and they were creating a chasm instead of a bridge. And the chasm, unfortunately is still here today in the church with, with the lost, and I don't want to make you feel depressed. So everyone smile, because Jesus is the answer for the world today. I'm trying to get you to smile. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. But it's not by hammering it over their heads. And he's building a bridge back to him. We are not calling people to religion. We are calling them to Christ the Christ that holds all things together has been there since the beginning, is everything, and is in all things. Jesus answers a question, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors? Matthew 9, 12 says this. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I don't like it just like that, but sick. We're sick. You're sick. I'm sick. Those who are sick. It's not those who are well that need the physician. It's those who are sick. And we, we interpret this. We know what this means. We, we say this. Well, what that means is that, yes, you can have your church friends. You can be my friend, okay? We'll be friends. But make sure you have a couple of those people that are out there that are sinners. Get, out, get some of those on your side. Ask them to the Super Bowl party. And then you go back to your Christian friends and you do your thing. But make sure you got some of them on your list so you look good because you're the love of Jesus. That's, a, that's the way we interpret this sometimes. They're the sick. They're in need. They're the bad guy. And they are in need of Jesus, aren't they? The world out there, I can get you to say amen to it if I preach it long enough. Do they need Jesus out there? Can I hear an amen? Yeah, they need it, right? They need it. But a better way to interpret this 
is, and I say this a lot in different ways and different methods, which is kind of, it's kind of right that we need people out there to be our friends too. But when we say let's go fix them, let's go be missionaries and let's go change their world, let's go fix them, we miss the truth that we are them. <laughs> we are them. We need Jesus ourselves. Building a bridge to the love of Jesus. This is my last point, I believe. Building a bridge to the love of Jesus brings others along with us in our journey. They say, come, you need Jesus? Yes, so do I. Let's, let's go find Jesus together. Let's pray to Jesus. Let's talk to him. Let me show you who Jesus is to me. Because, oh my gosh, do you know what happened to me? Do you know what I did? Do you know what I failed? Do you know how I've messed up? Let me, let me help you find Jesus too because I'm looking for him. It's kind of like when you go to one of those stores, those, those hardware stores. I go to those from time to time. There's one called the Home Depot, but it's not much like a home to me. I feel very lost there. I don't feel welcomed. I come and they don't have a bulletin there that says, welcome home, have a seat. We'll save you. We're saving a seat for you like we do here, right? I go in and I'm looking for one thing. It could be the easiest thing, but for me, it's not. It's hard for me. So is a grocery store for that matter, but... I'll look for something, and I'll try to find it, and then I'll ask someone. They'll say, oh, yeah, go down to dial 13. It's right by the nuts and the bolts and the hickamabobs, and you just take the hickamabobs away, and you move the chickamabobs, and you do That's what I feel like. They start speaking another language, and I go there, and I look, and then I text Cynthia, and I say, I'm not, I don't know. And I don't know why I'm getting into this, but I want to make a point. I, don't, I can't find it. They don't have it here, right? But, but, everybody say But. Oh, you shouldn't say that. That's not nice to say. <laughs> I'll go to um, Ace Value, Ace True, True Value, Ace True Value. Ace is the place for the helpful hardware guy, right? <laughs> I go there. I go probably about once a year, right? When I'm looking for something, I look for, um, I don't remember. I don't remember what it was I was looking for. And I went in, and there he is. And he says, what can I find for you? help you find, and I tell him, and he goes, oh, you actually need this instead of this, not this, and here's this one, and here it is, and let me bring it up to the counter for you. I'll walk it up, even though it's very light. He walks it all the way up to the counter. He sits on the counter, makes sure I don't lose. He puts it in a bag, and have a great day. God bless you. Oh, I don't know if he says God bless you, but I feel like it. I feel like I'm at church. <laughs> I'm so welcomed. But I think as Christians, as Jesus' people, We'll do this. Oh, yeah, go find. Yeah, Jesus is right down there. Come. It's, it's at 10 o'clock. It's down the church. Um, or, yeah, it's in the Bible. It's, just read the book of John. Like, read the whole book. It's good. You'll find, you'll find some love there. You'll, it'll change your life somehow. And usually God does the work and the Holy Spirit does the work and it, it works. But we need to bring people with us. We need to help them along, take them on our journey we're both on a bridge. Amen. Jesus came for the sick. When we point others to Jesus, we must remember that we are being made well by Jesus too. Thank you, Jesus, that you made me well. Thank you, you're making me well. We all, I wrote A-L-L-L-L-L-L. We all need Jesus. We aren't us and them. We are all being made awake. Oh, I understand. I understand some of your thoughts, your questions. Well, yeah, we are us and them. We're, we're going to heaven. Some people aren't. Yes, but that's 
but we all need to include we need to include people seeing the raw Jesus helps us to make our interactions a bit different. We don't see them because Jesus didn't see them. You read it. You find a place. You show me. Next week, you come and you say, oh, Jesus saw them in us. He saw us. He saw us all. He saw us all as his children because Jesus, it's like our own kids. If you have your own kids, I don't like this one, but I like the rest of them, right? No. No matter what our kids do, we love them all. And we're trying to get them all to the right place. We're trying to get them all to where they need to be. Because we love them the same. I told you that was the last point, but this is the last point. Building a bridge to the love of Jesus, it errs on the side of love. Paul, would you come up and let's close this, close this down today. But I want you to be challenged with the love of Jesus. Verse 13, it says this. After Jesus said, it's the sick that need the doctor, not the well. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This is the big subject. For I did not come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners to repentance. He, 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 not only did he say it's the sick that needed the doctor, but he said, you know what? I'm going to go a step further. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Everyone in the room or in the, wherever he was, I guess he was in the room. Everyone in the house knew what was going on right here. Jesus was quoting a prophet Hosea. I didn't just know that. I had to study it, but yeah. Jesus was quoting um, Hosea um, 6.6. 6 where Hosea is prophesying and he's helping the people to know it's not about your religion that's so important. It's not about your sacrifices. You're doing all the right rules. Yes, do the rules. Do the right. Be righteous. But I would rather you just love this person that's coming into your church than make sure your sacrifice is perfect on the altar, that you put it the right way and you washed your hands the right way and you did everything perfect. I would rather you have mercy than sacrifice. And I think if he said it today, he would say it like this. I would rather you not worry about what worship song it is or um, what the donut is that you don't like, but if you would worry about, hey, there's people here that need Jesus and I, there's already a mission field right here. Let me go find someone. Maybe they're already a follower of Jesus, but they're sick and they need a doctor, right? Maybe you got something to bring them because the Bible says that Jesus said, it's inside of you. The kingdom is inside of you. We'll talk about that next week, but you have something to give them. And Jesus says this, I'd rather you not be so concerned with your rituals and look at the person that needs me. The Living Bible says it like this. It isn't your sacrifices I want. I want you to be merciful. For I have come to urge sinners. Sinners, not the self-righteous. Are you the sinner or the self-righteous? Well, I'm the self-righteous because I don't need to ask forgiveness today. I'm, I'm pretty righteous. No, yes, we need to see ourselves as right in Christ's eyes. I know I'm full of paradox today, but listen. You need to see yourself as right in Christ's eyes, but you also need to know when you're being self-righteous. Let's never be self-righteous. Jesus was never self-righteous. We all need a Savior. Would you do this with me um, for five seconds, just like this? I need a Savior. Just do this. We're not praying. It's just showing, hey, I'm vulnerable. I need a Savior. Say that to Jesus. I need a Savior. We're all the same. You can put your hands down. 
Jesus would be sickened by our judgments and our opinions and our desire to be, our, our belief that we're righteous in ourselves. He would be embarrassed because he knows we all need Jesus. We all need forgiveness. Our deepest desire should be to help people find his love. There was no one building a bridge, builder, building, building a bigger bridge back to God than Jesus is there. There's a scripture, it's found in Psalm 103. It was an ode from David to God's love. The thing is about God's love then was one thing, but it was almost a pointing towards a better kind of, a, a, a more complete love that would be found in Jesus. And this is what David says in Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate to you and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse or harbor anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Amen. I'll skip ahead. For verse 11. As high as the heavens above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Would you stand to your feet with me? We've, we're, we're closing. We're three minutes past 1130. I should never say that. I should do whatever I feel like God's called me to do. I'm not trying to go. I'm not going by a clock. But I know I can get across what God wants me to get across in a certain amount of time. And that's, it's important to me because I respect your time. Although, if we were to look at our time, how much, how big a losers we are that we think one hour at church is enough for us, right? We need more. And I know it's not about just church. It's about spending time with Jesus all the time. But here's your challenge today. And um, in a way, our sweet sister, Pastor Christian, gave the challenge at the beginning. Because I saw it burning in her. And I said, do you need the microphone for something? And the worship was going so well. And um, thank you, worship team. It was such a beautiful time. I felt like the anointing of God was here, whatever that might mean to you. What it means to me is I felt like Jesus' presence was invading my presence. And I felt his love. And I hope you did too. And I appreciate you guys for being so obedient to Jesus and not just getting up here and being a show. But, you know, it's not about a show. It's about a mission. Amen. To love Jesus. So as we study Jesus, a natural expression, I'm going to give you a challenge. I pray that we would get a radical revelation of his love for others. I pray that we would understand that everyone deserves his mercy, even the most unlikely person. We would all say amen to that. And we, I, I know that you all believe that. I don't, I don't think that... We're the kind, kind of people, the worst of the, the, the people that give Christians a bad name. I don't believe that's who we are. That's why I love being a part of this church. But we can always do better. And so this is what I say. An outflow of your understanding to know Jesus more, to love him more, should be this. I want to build a bigger bridge for people to cross to experience his love. Simply that. You want to do that? I want to do that. I know you want to build a bigger, bigger bridge back to Jesus to experience his love. Can I pray for you today? Can I, can, I ask, um, can I ask Brother Thomas, Pastor Thomas, you're going to pray, pray a bigger bridge back to his love. Because me and him, we'll talk about this. And we know 
the things we learned as kids, and they're all right. We, we know how holy Jesus is and how just he is and how righteous he is, and we don't ever want to steer away from causing people to raise their bar of serving Jesus with a stronger vitality, but don't get so heavenly minded that you do no earthly good, right? So would you pray something along those lines for us, my brother? Lord, I thank you for the word that you had for us this morning, thank you, God. Jesus. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that this is a building block, God. Yes. Lord, that this is just the foundation, that this is just the start, God. Lord, I just pray, Lord, as we start to look you face to face, God, Lord, truly look at you and get get beyond just the surface feel-good stuff, but get into who you really are, God. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you change us, God. Lord, I just pray that you start giving us the desires and the passions to, to build these bridges, God. Lord, to give us the, the courage, God. Lord, the motivation to, to love others that might be different from mm-hmm. us, God. Yes, Lord. Lord, I just pray, God, Lord, that you change us, God. Lord, you challenge us, God. Lord, uh, you it, it should be uncomfortable when we look at you, God. Yes. Lord, because you can't do anything with comfort, God. Lord, there's a safety in that comfort, God. Lord, so I just pray, God, Lord, as we look at you and we start to build these bridges, God. Lord, that we become okay with the uncomfortable, God. And Lord, we just thank you for how you are going to use us, God, Lord, as we build these bridges of, of love and of grace and of compassion, God. And Lord, above all, God, Lord, I just pray, Lord, as pastor said, Lord, you don't have small perspectives, God. Lord, I just pray, God, Lord, that, that we can get beyond just the, the small perspectives that we have and really see the internal significance and impact that you have called us to have, God. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.